Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I'd like you to turn to 1 John, chapter 4. 1 John 4. And um, I want to just share for a few minutes about the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. And we'll read 1 John 4, verse 7 to 14 to begin with. Hold your gaze. Okay, hold your gaze. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this, in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must love others. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He's given it to us from his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Amen. Isn't that true, folks? We have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. If that's our testimony, let's amen that this morning. We've seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Hallelujah. If ever our world needed a Savior, it's right now, hey? So much is toxic, unkind, divided, Everything's the language of protest, so much mental health um, crisis, identity crisis, gender confusion. Our world urgently needs a savior, the savior. And and we must never never wane in our devotion to mission. The norm in the Bible is people saved and added every day, every day. So our greatest priority is our great commission, and we've lots to do, and we've lots to learn, but I thank God we have a master to learn from this morning, and that phrase, he is the savior of the world, appears just twice in the Bible. That's the, that's the, uh, the second occasion. We're going to go back to the first occasion, which is also in John. It's John's Gospel, chapter 4. 
What a wonderful story. Some of you know what's there, and you're already excited. John 4. This is a longer, a longer passage, but it's a fabulous story. So enjoy this story, John 4. We, we read um, right up to verse 42. And then I just want to, to just comment on some things we can learn from Jesus as he loves the world. When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although, John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and he went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. Gaze at him. Watch him. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water, springing up from within him for eternal life. (laughs) Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go, call your husband, he told her, and then come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. 
when He comes, He will explain everything to us. I am He, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you now. Jesus then, uh, just then His disciples arrived and they were amazed that He was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? And then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the men, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case... The saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you've benefited from their labor. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, but we've heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. The Savior of the world. I haven't proved this, but I think this will be one of the longest conversations that Jesus has one-on-one with somebody. Most of the red letters is Jesus talking to groups, talking to the disciples. There's there's another long one with Nicodemus in chapter 2, but chapter 3, but but this is a long conversation. Jesus has just one-on-one, there's nobody else there. He speaks one-on-one with this woman, and I love what I see as I gaze on the great evangelist, the great missionary about his father's business. I I love what I see. And and here's a few things I've noticed. Firstly, I love that he didn't seek attention and he wasn't in competition. In fact, those opening three verses, there's, there's a context to it. Jesus wanted to stay under the radar, but this is not about who's making the most disciples. Jesus is happy to be getting on with it, um, away from attention. And folks, this mission is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. The motive for our mission can never be profile, numbers, reputation. It can never be guilt. The uh, The only motivation for our mission is doing the Father's work and finishing what he's started. I love that about Jesus. Verse 4 says he had to travel through Samaria. I love that he was compelled. And I don't believe it's just a geographic necessity. 
that he has to travel through Samaria. He has to travel through Samaria because he has to meet this woman. Jesus is is always led by the Spirit. He's He's not constrained by geography. He has to travel through because he has to meet her. He was compelled. The Great Commission is a great compulsion. Compelled. And he's, we mustn't be restrained or, or contained by our, by our programs and our schedules and our routines. We must be willing to change plan. Ted and Esther Kent. If I may just bring them into the conversation. They used to... This, is, this was while they were still able to move around a little easier. And they were retired. So I'm not, I'm, not saying you should, I'm not saying everybody should do this, okay? But they used to wake up in the mornings and say, Lord, where do you want us to go today? As some of you, some of us, we, we have to go to certain places. But I love the spirit of that. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to meet today? A great compulsion that we let the love of God and the leading of the Spirit compel us in our mission. I love that he rested by the well. He was physically exhausted. If you look at the maps at the back, that's, that's a journey of, of tens of miles. And at the end of it, he was, did it say he was um, uh, worn, out from, worn out from his journey? And I just want to say this, not about a, it, it might be physical, but I believe there are people here, you've, you're worn out from the journey. And it might be just what life's brought to you. It might be challenging situations you've been in. It might be work. It might even be church. But a sense of being worn out by the journey. And if it's appropriate, I just want to say, come and sit at our well. I love that he started conversations. He starts the conversation with this woman. The whole thing ends with, with a village getting saved. And it starts from sort of nothing. And I don't want to say Jesus created the situation. There's there's an element of that, but, but it starts with just a simple thing. Jesus starts a conversation. Would you give me a drink? That's how it starts. We'll see how it ends in just a moment, but Jesus started a conversation, and I tell you why I did it, because he loved people. He was interested in people. He was genuinely interested in meeting people and finding out about them and knowing what their life was about and the journey they were on. And he, wasn't, he didn't retreat into his tiredness. He made conversation with this lady. Mission is never complicated. And it usually starts with conversation. And we can all do that. We must love one another because he first loved us. Take a real, genuine, loving interest in what makes people tick, what's going on in their worlds, what their hopes and dreams are, what their fears are, what their concerns are. If you just put the next slide up. 
that number, some of you have seen this before, or something similar. That number is, um, is 148 trillion. Okay, does anybody know what that number represents? Colin. Sorry? American dirt. I have no idea. No, that number is the number of the number of square meters of land on the surface of the earth. Okay? If my maths is right. You were busy last night. It includes deserts, so you know you might want to make some mental just that is the number of square meters on the Earth's surface, 148 million million, 148 trillion square meters. And you might have heard me say this before, but I just think, if I'm in the same one as somebody else, it might be significant. (laughs) If I'm in the same square meter as Stefan, it will be loud and significant, hallelujah. It means something. It's not a great coincidence. And I want you to think right now about the people that you spend time with, that you regularly share some space with, that you bump into, the person that comes to sit next to you. Is it a coincidence? There's 148 trillion to one possibility that that happened. It must mean something. I love that he broke conventions and norms. You know, without going into too much of the background, it, it was not on for a Jewish man to be speaking with a Samaritan woman alone. His disciples can't get their heads around it when they come back. But he broke conventions and norms. He went against the flow. He associated with sinners and immigrants and refugees and widows and orphans, people and situations that would have been considered inappropriate or shameful because he was compelled by the heart of God, not by the traditions and the prejudices and the suspicions of men. Friends, there's, there's no one we can't connect with. No one we can't connect with. History, race, past, irrelevant. No one we can't connect with. He's the saviour of the world. He's the saviour of the world. John McGinley asked us the other month, how much do we care about people's lostness? That question won't leave my thinking. I don't know about you. It's, it's echoing around in my thoughts. How much do we care about people's lostness? People we share space with. How much does it matter to us? I love that he made it simple. And if you just put the next one up, Katie, he, he makes this comment in verses, verse 10 and verse 13 and 14 when he's describing the water that he has for it. He just makes it simple. If you would ask me, I would give to you. And sometimes we can be so bogged down in the 
in the complexities, in the, the seeming impossibilities of, of our friends' situations and circumstances. Folks, we mustn't complicate the offer. If you will ask him, he will give to you. If you seek him, you will find him. If you knock, he will answer. It's simple. The gospel is simple. And if, as you just think about the people you share your, your life and space and day and week with, don't complicate the offer. If you're thirsty, he will refresh you. If you're desperate, he will meet your need. If you're sick, he will touch your body. Believe it. If you're lost, he will find you. In fact, he's already come searching for you. Don't complicate it. All the what-ifs, all the, all the prayers that you might not have faith to see answered. Don't complicate the offer. If you will ask, friends, my friends, he will give. I love that he gave from what he had and what he was because mission is overflow. He was offering her what he had, what he was. I I am living water. If you ask of me, I will give you of myself. And I don't believe he will ever ask us, he can't ask us to offer what we don't have. But the truth is, you have everything, I have everything, we have everything we need to overflow in mission. Mission's, mission's not a project. Mission's not a, a task even. I might have used that phrase. It's overflow. It, it, it's who we are overflowing to the world. He, the Bible tells us he's poured out into our lives love. He's poured out into our lives grace. He's poured his blood out for us. He's poured out into our lives his spirit. They're all, they're all just where the, where the scriptures literally talk about a pouring out. He's poured out into our lives his love, his grace, his spirit. And we could add to the list, couldn't we? His, his fruit, his belief, his approval. There's no condemnation. He's poured into our lives. And all he's asking me, David, to do this week is let it flow out to others. Recognize where I am. Recognize the spaces I'm in. And let my life pour out. Let what he's put in me pour out to others. We can all do this, can't we? Peter and John on that Acts 3 um, day on the, as they wait to the temple, it's what we have we give you. But we have enough. I'm, I'm so blessed. You look around this room this morning. There's a nice big, nice few hundred people here. Just imagine, just begin to sort of think what we have between us. Folks, we can, we can reach the Midlands. Amen. We can reach the world. Look, just seriously, just look around this room. Look at one another. The capacity here. The potential here. The fashion sense. The good looks. But mainly the things he's given us. Mission is overflow. Let your life spill over. David, let your life spill over. My, the, the love, the grace, the kindness, the hope. 
All I have is all I need to reach others. I love that he listened to his father's voice. He moves in this word of knowledge. He's, he is a man baptized in the spirit just like you and I. And when he says to her, go and call your husband, it's not a random throwaway statement request. It's, it's to hook her into something. To tell her that God knows her life, God knows her, God loves her. Despite everything, we know nothing about the reasons. You read different commentaries, there's all sorts of ideas. The fact is, he's, he's on the money. She hasn't a husband. Five men have abandoned her. Five men have used her. Whatever's happened, the man she's now with is not committed to her, whatever, whatever the situation is. But he listens to the Father's voice. It's, I love the idea of Jesus in teamwork with, with the Father and the Spirit. I love even more the idea that, that this trinity would involve us in it as well. Amen. Make it a, make it a, a fourfold yeah. operation. Wonderful. Teamwork with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Yeah. When you're in your space tomorrow, when you're in your place this week, when you're sharing a square meter out of 148 trillion of them, that he's ready to speak to us. Because yeah. he knows everything. He, she, her testimony later... He, he, knows, he knows all about me. He did. He knew all about her. And he loved her. He listens to the Father's voice. Mission is overflow in partnership with the Spirit. I, know, I love that he knows people. And uh, when she makes this statement, meet a man who told me everything I ever did. In the message, it says, meet a man who knows me inside and out. And that's the love of God for our friends, isn't it? Yeah. Knows our friends inside and out. Yeah. Knows their circumstances. Knows their situations. Knows their hopes and dreams. Knows their concerns and fears and anxieties. And loves them. And loves them. And loves them. Yeah. And last thing I want to say, I love the fact that he opens his disciples' eyes and he shortens their time scales. Verse 35. Don't you say there are still four months more and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. For they are ready for harvest. I wonder whether... She's gone back to the village by now. When he says, look at the fields, they look towards that village. And over the horizon, a crowd of villagers are approaching. He says, look up. Look at the fields. The harvest is ready. And, and, and while he's saying it, the villagers are making their way to him. The fields are ripe for harvest. And he shortens their time scales. It's not four months' time. It's not next week. You're not, let's just apply it to ourselves. It's not something you're not ready for yet. It's not something I'm not equipped with yet. It's not next week. It's not next month. Let's not wait till 2020. Let's wait till next year's Momentum Conference and then we can talk about mission again. Absolutely not. It's right here. It's right now. It's urgent. Our world is in a right old mess and we know the saviour of the world. 
The message says, open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. (laughs) Take a good look at what's right in front of you. Look in your workplace. Look in your office. Look in your classroom. Look in your lecture theater. Look in the shops. Look around the coffee shop. Ripe harvest is everywhere. Sheep without shepherds, the world in confusion, neighbors aching on the inside, tears behind closed doors, friends in fake social media fantasy world all around us, struggling with their identity, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, the mourners, those that are sick and have no hope, those that are abused and have no one to speak up for them. Those that seem successful but are empty on the inside. Open your eyes and take a... Let's open our eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of us. The final thing I want to say is... This all takes place at a well. And um, I'm still pondering on why she leaves her bucket there and whether that's really significant or not. But what is significant? This takes place at a well. And um, just, just in a really simple way, there's this, there's this source of life and water which provides the setting, the context, and obviously the context for the conversation that takes place about living water. It's a, it's a perfect backdrop to the story. But wells have... Another significance in the scriptures, Isaac's uh, wife, Rebecca, is met at a well. Jacob meets his bride, Rachel, at a well. Moses meets his bride, Zipporah, because he stops at a well. And what's happening here in Sychar in the back of Samaria is that Jesus is meeting his bride. Not the woman. The entire village. Ordinary people, lost, guilty, ashamed, longing, hoping, tired, thirsty. This is the harvest. And this is the bride. Jesus stops at a well to meet her. Just put that next one up, Katie, would you? These are the verses that we, we read in each of the passages. We have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Saviour of the world. We have heard for ourselves and we know this really is the saviour of the world. And I want to encourage you and cheer you on this week, challenge myself that this week we will go with refreshing living waters. We'll let our lives overflow to people destined to meet a man who knows them and loves them, who's building his church, who's preparing his bride, and who's sending us out. Amen. Amen. Lord, I ask you that this morning will stir us afresh, 
Lord, as we gaze at you and see how you do things, you'd stir us afresh to know that you've called us also to meet people um, with our own well of life springing up within us, to see the harvest right in front of our eyes, to see the bride in making, the bride coming together, those that are destined to be part of all that you're doing in the earth, Lord. We pray you'll open our eyes to see them. We'll feel your heart, your burden for them, Lord. You will use us even this week, Lord, in all our hundreds of different settings. All the different bits of planet Earth that we walk upon this week will be aware of your presence. We'll be stirred with burden and, and, and passion for the commission, Lord in our workplaces, amongst our friends. Lord, we will be in partnership with you, in teamwork with you. None of us will count ourselves out. All of us will know we have what's needed. We have the love of God. We have the grace of God. We have the Spirit of God poured into our hearts. I pray there'll be a tremendous, mighty overflow of our lives into our worlds this week. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.